Well, today we're in our third week of a four-week series entitled Making Wise Decisions. We've been considering what it means to make wise decisions in an ever-increasingly decision-fatigued world. Decision fatigue is everywhere. Not just because of the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, with the onslaught of information overload and seemingly infinite choices, it's way too easy to, to feel overwhelmed, to feel paralyzed, to feel fatigued in making decisions. I know I feel it. I know talking to many of you, you continue to feel it, and it isn't getting any easier. So where do we turn? The good news is God invites us to turn to him for help, to turn to him for wisdom, to make decisions, to make wise decisions. And to lean on his word, to lean on his wisdom, and not only his wisdom and his word, but also his grace to give us strength when we come to that point of making a decision to actually follow through and do it. So we're seeking to make wise decisions. As we've been in this series, we've been looking at Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. The words of the Apostle Paul when he said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so we've been considering the difference between a wise decision versus a foolish decision. A wise decision, as we see in Scripture, is one where God is part of the process of deciding. He's not cut out of the equation. He's not an afterthought. God is the one that is consulted first. He's the first move. And as we turn to God and seek his wisdom, seek his ways, we can make wise decisions. And so we began last, last week we went to the first topic of time, and we looked at our schedules. As you may recall, last week we talked about how there's only one January 16th, 2022 ever. As I woke up this morning, I thought there's only one January 23rd, 2022 ever. And I owe it to God, I owe it to you to give you God's word, and not to mess around, not to play around. Like, this is only one day. We don't have, we don't, we're not promised another day on earth. And so what do we have? What, how do we make use of our time? We consider those words in Ephesians 5, 16, make the most of every opportunity, which is also translated redeem the time, where the word redeem is an accounting term, meaning get the full value of that time. And so the action step last week was to redeem the time and to do so by listing key areas of your life and then to write down just one, one one thing that you can do, you could start or restart doing, that if you were to do it, it would have a positive cumulative impact in your life. We looked at categories like physical and relational and no doubt spiritual. So how'd it go? How did it go? Or did you forget about it five minutes after leaving the building or clicking off, clicking offline? I know that not a lot, some of you didn't forget about it because I received emails from you and I had conversations with some of you. Some who said, I've, Taking some time to say, I'm just, even if it's five minutes, I'm going to open up my Bible again. Or if it's a couple minutes to pray and say, even if it's to ask God, God, I need your help today. I'm just going to invest that time and make that wise decision. Or to put your child to sleep at night and to talk to them before you go to bed and not just let them go to sleep or reach out to a friend and have a phone call or a text message. Those are the examples that came back to me. So my prayer for you is that you would not let go of those wise decisions in terms of time as we now turn our attention in terms of our life stories and how we utilize our gifts, experiences, and expertise in our decisions. Um, Because there's a lot of things we can do. The question is, what are the things that we should do? 
As we think about our life stories, the gifts that God's given to us, our experiences and expertise, how do we make those kinds of wise decisions? I want to give you this truth as we start, that God created you as a unique person with a unique story for his glory. And he's calling you to share that story through serving with your gifts, experiences, and expertise. If you remember anything from that, this sermon, remember that truth. As I think about that, years ago, one of my daughters, I remember her at, later in the day saying, do you remember what I said? And I said, remember one thing about the sermon? And she said, I remember you saying, remember one thing about the sermon, but I don't remember what that was. <laughs> so remember this, God created you as a unique person with a unique story for his glory. He's, he's calling you to share your story through serving with your gifts, experiences, and expertise. So again, last week we talked about how there's only one January 16, 2022. Today, I want you to know there is only one of you. There is only one of you as I look around this room. I turn, invite you to turn to your neighbor. If you're online, turn to the person next to you. Unless you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. But if you turn to the person next to you or if you're here in person, turn to your neighbor and say, you are different. <laughs> I see you, Mike Flavin. You're different, Mike Flavin. Now turn back to your neighbor and say, I already knew that. <laughs> so we laugh, right? Because the human creature is such a fascinating thing. I mean, created in God's image as Mike Pratt, there's so much creativity. We are all different. And we laugh at that because we are all pieces of work, aren't we? Right? We heard Jennifer read from Ephesians 2.10 where God's handiwork, we're pieces of work. God has to work on us and we need his grace. We're all different. But we all bring both, the, the, yes, the negatives and the nuances and the quirks, but we also bring the positives, our gifts. We're all different. And so as we think about how, who we are, and we think about our life stories, we think about our gifts, our experiences and expertise, how can we best utilize them in our world? How is God calling us to share those gifts, experiences, and expertise in a way that we can serve others? To do that, we're going to look at what Scripture has to say, because God calls us to do that. God doesn't give us gifts. He doesn't give us experiences. He doesn't give us expertise just to make ourselves happy and to survive in this world. He calls us to go and use those to bless others. We're blessed to be a blessing. So there's many places in Scripture that speaks to that. Today we're going to look at one in the New Testament letter of 1 Peter. Peter, who was one of clo Jesus' closest friends and disciples, the one who spoke plainly, oftentimes put his foot in his mouth, but he told it like it was. And Peter, in his first letter that's included in the New Testament of the Bible, includes this teaching and his call to action in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. We're going to look at this passage where the center of gravity is verse 10 where it talks about what it means for us to use our gifts in service of others. Hear this word from 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. 
To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Can you hear an amen? Amen. This is God's word right here. We begin. Peter, who doesn't mess around, he's like, look, the end of all things is near. Right? Jesus had died. He was resurrected from the dead. He had promised to come back. He said, the, all th- the end of all things is near. And granted, it's been nearly 2,000 years since then. But it doesn't matter. As followers of Christ today, by extension, as we hear those words, we are called to live lives of urgency not lives of complacency. And here, Peter issues a wake-up call. He says, the end of all things is near. It's all, it's coming. Therefore, be alert, be watchful. Hearkening to Jesus' parables, Peter, who would have walked with Jesus, heard Jesus' parables, and many times Jesus talked talked to his disciples to say, be alert, be on the watch. Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Literally the opposite of being drunk. He's like, be of sober mind, have a clear mind. Why? so that you may pray, so that you may communicate with God, so that you can receive wisdom and direction from him. Like a soldier in the field who has to remain in close contact with his commanding officer. Here we're called, Peter says, you're called to pray and to stay in close contact. And as a child of God, to stay in close contact with your heavenly father. So be alert, be of sober mind, so you can pray. Then he says, above all else, Above all else, love one another. Love each other deeply, he said. Deeply, not at the surface, below the surface. Not one time, but consistency. Love each other deeply. He says, above all else, love deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Multitude of sins. It's interesting here, Peter likening and taking very, calling attention indirectly to the fact that life is messy. Relationships are messy. We're gonna hurt each other. But love, when you love deeply, it covers over a multitude of sins. Isn't it true? When you love someone deeply, when you sacrifice for another person in the way of Christ, it could cover over those sins. But then he continues on and says, offer hospitality without grumbling, meaning make room for other people in your life and do it without grumbling. But then he moves to the center of gravity of this passage, I believe, in verse 10, where he says, each of you each of you should use whatever gifts. Each of you. When he says each of you, and there he's saying, I believe he's saying, this applies to everyone. This is not just for some. This is for everyone. Each of you, listen to this. And it also speaks to the uniqueness of the person. It says each of you, each of you do this. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others. And here, the assumption is that gifts have been received, meaning not, not, not just that they're gifts, but there's a giver. And that giver is God. And to use them. The word that's translated for use is to, is to is take hold of. It reminds me of last week we talked about redeeming the time, making use of the time, getting full value of your time. Here, use your gifts in the same way it could have been it's described as redeem your gifts. Get the full value of your gifts. Use your gifts to serve others. How? Peter says as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, what's a steward? It's a biblical churchy word. A steward is a manager of what someone else has given to them to manage. And so in a house, in this, this day and age, back then, it would have been someone who would have been a, a member of a household. And the owner of the house would have given something to that person. And they were called upon to manage that, to take care of it for the owner. And so here, Peter is likening that to the Christian faith that all of us, not some of us, all of us have been given gifts And I would add experiences and even expertise that we're called to steward, we're called to manage them. 
on behalf of God and to be faithful stewards, not just stewards, but faithful stewards. And that speaks to not only the approach to how you do this, but also your relationship with the owner himself. We're called to be faithful to the owner and faithful with what he's given to us. And what we're given is grace in its various forms. I can recall the first time I read this verse many years ago. Something, it just popped in my imagination of all the different ways that God's grace comes, all the different colors, all the different ways it's manifested, all the different gifts and the uniqueness of each human person and their story. And we're called to minister that grace in its various forms. Continuing on, Peter gives examples. He says, if you speak, speak the very words of God. If you serve, serve with the strength that God provides. Why? All of this is for the glory of God. So he would be praised and lifted up. Right? Jesus himself came to serve, not to be served. And Peter, who walked with that Jesus, says, live your life in the same way. Don't live a life in a way that you look to be served, but that you serve and give your life away. Again, God created you as a unique person with a unique story for his glory. Um, you know, as we think about all these different uh, ideas, I'm just marveling at the fact that Colleen and Jennifer and I didn't talk about verses that they brought up already in this, in this worship service. And because as we're called upon to pray, my mind is we're called upon to pray about this, what it means to have wisdom. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge or surrender to him and he will direct your steps and make your path straight. Right? That's in the sermon notes before you even prayed it. But just in the same way, Ephesians, we can look at all this truth through the lens of Ephesians 2.10. Right? For we are God's handiwork. God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right? Now, do you realize that you are God's handiwork? Other translations are masterpiece. You may not look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and have that thought. But when God looks at you, that's what he thinks. Like Mike prayed, you're the apple of God's eye. You are a masterpiece, you're a handiwork. He is not only putting you together, he's putting you back together. In a world where there's so much hurt, so much brokenness, he's the God who restores. He, it's like finding an old piece of artwork and restoring it and putting it back together. That's what God's doing with our lives. We are God's handiwork, and we're created and recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works which he's prepared in advance for us to do. So how do we do that? We do that by utilizing the gifts, experiences, and expertise that God has given to us in the form of his grace. And we do that individually, but we also come together as the local church. As a church family, we bring that all together, and as one church, we do that to be a shining light in our community. Let me say it again. In our individualistic Western world, we think, this is, okay, what do I do? What are my gifts? What are my experiences? What are my expertise? What am I supposed to do? And go live that out. That's great. If you get that from the sermon, that's step one. But don't stop there. We're not here by accident. Just like your, human, your story is not an accident, us being here together as New Providence Presbyterian Church, online or here in person, together as one team, one family, we are not by accident. And God calls us to bring together our gifts, our experiences, and our expertise ultimately to, to shine God's light into this community and even beyond all the way to the ends of the earth. And that's the exciting part about being a follower of Christ. So how do we make wise decisions with our gifts, experiences, and expertise? Like everything else, we need to turn to God and we need to include him in the process. And the first step is to examine your life story in order to discern your God-given gifts, experiences, and expertise. Some have already done this. Others maybe you haven't thought about this at all. As you think about your gifts, what are your gifts? 
whether it's spiritual gifts, as you become a follower of Christ, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that, that gift of the Holy Spirit manifests in different kinds of gifts. You'll see them in various lists in the New Testament. They're in the, what I call the four and 12 chapters. First Peter chapter four, Ephesians four, those are the fours. The twelves chapters are 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. You see different lists of spiritual gifts, ways that when God puts his spirit in us and he reproduces the life of Christ in us, there are gifts that God has given to us. And they're meant to serve others and ultimately to strengthen the church so that we could be a shining light in the world. What are those gifts? But there are also other gifts, just natural gifts, gifts that others see in us. And to determine those gifts, I know there's lots of assessments out there. There's a million personality assessments. I've done them all. I love them, by the way. But sometimes the best thing to do is simply get a cup of coffee with a friend or a family member and say, what do you see? Where do you see me at my best? Where do you see me in a way where, what do I uniquely bring to this world that other people don't? Or as you think about your own life, think about what comes easy to you, but everyone else looks at you and says, how do you do that? That's where you know you have something unique to offer this world. I can think about different people where I look at them and say, I have no idea how you do that. And for them, they just wake up and do it. Other people say it to me, I don't know, Jeff, how you even begin to do that, but that's just what I like to do. It, whatever that is, figure that out. Those are the gifts that God's given to you. In terms of experiences, reflect on your experiences in your life, whether in school or with work or no doubt spiritual experiences, your connection and relationship with God. But even more so, think about the painful experiences you've had. Those moments that in this broken world you wish didn't happen. Even those painful experiences God can use, especially as you can then be used to comfort others with the comfort that God's given you. And the healing that you may want from that painful experience, you'd be surprised oftentimes it comes as you comfort other people. As Henry Nouwen in his great book, The Wounded Healer, talks about as we are wounded healers, as we go and be God's agent of healing, we receive that healing. What are those experiences? And then expertise. What are the skills that you've developed? It's incredible. We, only, we have one life to live in. All the different places and ways that the skills that people develop, the different majors in college, different trades that people figure out and do. What are the skills that you have developed in your life? As you think about these gifts and experiences and expertise, examine your life story. And make an inventory. Second, once you do that, thank God for that unique set. Don't rush in and be like, how am I going to use them? Just take a moment and say, thank you, God, for this. For this unique set of gifts, experiences, and expertise. There is no one else on planet Earth like you who has the gifts, experiences, and expertise. No one. If we were to run the analysis, do the report, there would be a 100% match would not exist. And if it did, that'd be strange. But if it wouldn't, it doesn't. It's all unique. Thank God for that. Then lastly, ask God, how do you want me to dedicate and apply these? And to, how, how can these be applied to make someone's life better? How can these be applied to serve others? How can this be applied to serve God in addition to strengthen the church so that the church can be a shining light in our communities? You think about this, I think about your, think about different aspects of, think about your heart, where your heart goes. In terms of a role, what may God be calling you to do? Where is your heart in terms of people? Who is God calling you to love and serve? And then as you think about your heart, maybe what's the focus? Is there a specific something in this world that God's calling you to make better and to change? How can God be asking you to use your gifts, experiences, and expertise to, towards that end? Lots of times I 
counsel people to consider their life in terms of the frustrations or blessings they've experienced. If there's a frustration, something that drives you crazy, a problem that you wish would just go away, perhaps God's fired you up about that because you're meant to be part of the solution, not just naming the problem. List some frustrations. Then list the blessings. Where have you been blessed? Say, where, where something, where's good come to you? And how can you then help someone else experience that as well? Ask God overall, how do you want me to dedicate my gifts, my experiences, and expertise? Because it really comes down to a calling of God. Frederick Buechner, an author and pastor, I love this quote from, that was initially written in his book, Wishful Thinking. In terms of the word calling, it says it comes from the Latin vocare, to call, and means, that a, means the work a person is called to by God. There are all different kinds of voices calling you to all different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than that of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. Now, this is the, 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 the center of this quote. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Right? The place where God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. To find that point of connection. Where is that in your life? Our role is to discern that hunger. And then our role is to discern, yeah, what are the gifts? What are the experiences? What are the expertise that God has given? And to start with that personal inventory and then consider that how it applies. And again, not just individually, but then for us as a church, New Providence Presbyterian Church, who is God calling us to love and serve? What is our deep gladness as a church family? And what is the deep hunger in this world that God's calling us to meet? I'm very interested in the months ahead and the years ahead to help us as a church figure that out again. Coming out of COVID, yes, and saying, how? How can we be a blessing in this community? How can we be a blessing in this world? God, you've blessed us. How can we be a blessing to others? As I think about this, I think about how does this play out in the church? I think about examples over the years. I'll give you a couple, some from churches from the past I've loved. I think about a friend named Brian from a prior church. Brian, who was part of a, 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 a company that was highly successful, but then crashed. He had nowhere to turn. He started his own company. After he started his own company, he then started to come to church. He was desperate. He's like, God, I need help. And he was part of a discipleship group with me and three other guys. And after a year, he said, I, I need to find a way to be able to express my faith in the church. And typically, some would say, look, he runs a business. He's the CEO of a small company. He's like, Maybe I should do something else besides what I do every single day of the week. But the more we thought about it, we realized that he had the unique set of gifts and experiences and expertise to help a young church, which it was, find its way. So Brian dedicated himself as a treasurer and leader of our business administration team. And what did he do? He helped that church find its way in terms of finances, living within their means, and maximizing the financial resources of that church in a way that allowed for that church to be a blessing in that community. All right, Brian found that spot where his deep gladness and all that he was, he was a maximizer. He brought everything together and used that for the glory of God. I think about someone else years ago who, sadly, her husband committed suicide. And she was left alone with three young children. And years and years of heartache and pain and struggle I remember talking to this person, and she's like, why? Why would God allow this to happen? And then something happened one day. She changed and said, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask that question. I'm now going to ask God, what do you want me to do with this? And she worked through all of her grief and worked through her mourning 
the mourning the loss of her husband, the mourning of what was there, she came to a place to realize she could help others grieve and mourn. And she put together a whole class on grieving and mourning. And she did, she offered that and said, I want to help others grieve and mourn when they go through. Whatever that is for you, I don't know. I think about our church, I think about Maria, and I think about Lori who are out greeting in sub, sub, like, sub-freezing temperatures outside this morning. Thank you for greeting us every week. Come on. I think about those who give their, their gifts and talents here every single week up on stage. And to be honest, we need more. And if you sing, especially if you're a male, get in the game. If you play guitar, I'm looking at you, David Kim, get in the game. I'm calling out names. We need people to give their gifts. Grateful for those who have financial minds. We have some of the greatest financial minds on planet Earth in our church. And they're helping us for our finance committee. Thank you, A.J. Rice. Thank you, Kevin Engelman. Thank you for all those on the finance committee. I could go on and on of people who are already doing it. But we have a whole family of people who have yet to say, here's how I want to give. My gifts, my experiences, and expertise. Imagine if we all did that. What a gift we can be to each other, to our community, and to the world. And so as we finish up, I give you one thing to remember, one thing to do, and a couple questions to reflect on as we think about what this could be as a church. Remember this. This is where we start, right? God created you as a unique person with a unique story for his glory. And he's calling you to share to share your story through serving with your gifts, experiences, and expertise. One thing to do, take an inventory of your God-given gifts, experiences, and expertise. Take an inventory. And then begin by identifying one. Just start with one. One way to start or restart using them in love and service with our church family. Now granted, again, if we continue to fight through different waves of this pandemic, it's, this is just the beginning. We're going to engage us in a more deeper way in the months ahead to help you find your place either for the first time or again in terms of how to use your gifts, experiences, and expertise with our church. But start with this inventory and begin thinking about what's one way, one way that you can do this. Some questions for reflection that really kind of circle what we've been considering all along. What are, ask the question, what are my unique gifts, experiences, and expertise? Ask that question, write it down too. What are specific needs in our church family that could be met through offering these in service to Christ and his church. So look around and see the needs. Again, maybe some areas of frustration or areas of blessing. If there's an area of frustration, why can't this church do that? This church has never done that. I wish it was better. Guess what? You're frustrated for a reason. God wants you to be part of the solution. Help be a part of that solution. Or if there's a blessing, maybe you've been blessed in a significant way through this church. That's great. Be a part of passing on that blessing to someone else. Lastly, ask that question based on Buechner's quote, where does my deep gladness in the world's hunger meet? And as a church, where does our deep gladness as a local church and our local community's hunger meet? And how can we bring those two together with God's help? Again, I invite you to imagine what this could be like. Like every church tries it. I mean, you've heard the sermons. Have you been around? Oh, we're all, we all have talents. Let's use our talents for the glory of God. And I pretty much preach that same prayer today. I mean, preach that same sermon today. What if we actually did it? What if we were a church actually did it? Imagine if everyone engaged. Let's make that our prayer, and let's see what God does. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to consider afresh the gifts and experiences and expertise that you've given us. Lord, every person is a unique story. Indeed, Lord, that's been put together, crafted for your glory. God, thank you for that incredible good news that we are your handiwork. 
We are your masterpiece. And first, I pray for every person who doesn't feel like that at all today, who feels so far from that they can't even imagine, God, that you would look at them and say, I love you. You are my masterpiece. You are my handiwork. I pray that your grace would come to them, encourage them, help them to see themselves like you see them, God. And for all of us, Lord, help us to see that the gifts and experiences and expertise that you've given to us, God, can be used in service of you. Just like Jesus who came to serve, not to be served, help us to consider ways that we can serve, to love others, and to let your grace flow through us, individually and, yes, as a whole church family. God, we ask you to do great things. You do great things in us and through us. And God, our best days are ahead. And so we look to you. We fix our eyes on you. Help us to learn to trust you in this. And we look forward to the adventure and all that's in for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.